Great. Well, tonight we're looking at the topic of parenting. And let's be honest, I think parenting is really, really hard. Full stop. You know, I think many of us have complicated jobs and you're like, yeah, that's really complicated. We all walk through really complicated situations. But the thing that is harder than all of that, I think, is being a mum or a dad. It's just very complex. I mean, how many of us do we find that our house is just so noisy that we can barely hear ourselves think? Um, it's not ordered and clean like we, I mean, we just finished it yesterday, but now it is looking like a tip has happened again. You and your spouse have been out for like an eternity because your kids are sick like every second week. So you keep seeing restaurants and you just think we will never go there all the time. Once again, you get home and the laundry pile is up to the ceiling. You've discovered there's nothing for packed lunches and you've just broken up another fight for the thousandth time. That's just since Monday night. You then look over the schedule for the week. You feel instantly sick. You wonder how on earth it is ever going to actually take place and how are you ever going to get a break from what is this thing called parenting. And then you go on Facebook and everybody else has a perfect family. Everybody else is having a great time. They're enjoying every second of being a mum and dad, and you feel envious and disgusted all at the same time with what is going on with other people? What is wrong with me? It's so easy, I think, to find ourselves quite overwhelmed with parenting at different times, and no one, either on the stage or probably down there either, I don't think any of us think of ourselves as experts in parenting. Not many times you encounter a parent, a parent that's saying, man, I probably score myself like a 10 out of 10, I'm smashing it out the park. That's not usually what is taking place. And when you do encounter somebody like that, you're very concerned for them because they're totally deceived. It's so easy to find ourselves overwhelmed with being a parent. And I think at the same time, it's so easy as a parent, given the busyness of life and the busyness of parenting, to lose track pretty quick of what are we even trying to do as a mum and dad? What am I meant to be doing? What is the role that God has put on my life? Paul Tripp in this book, Parenting, says it this way. He says, in the middle of all the endless parenting activities, many parents get lost. They're doing lots of things, lots of good things, but they don't seem to know why. They've been swallowed up into the daily grind of parenting, but they've lost sight of what it is that they're working for or building towards. I think that's so true, and I look back on my life, and there's different times in the midst of the cascade that is being a mum and dad. You can lose track of, what exactly am I meant to be doing here? What has God given me to do? What is my role? Am I just meant to be like a taxi driver and an ATM and a cook? Is that what I'm meant to be doing? with my life. And when you examine the Bible and when you just slow down a minute, which is what I want us to do tonight, you remember that what the Bible has called us to do is really one thing. We are called as a mum and dad to be Christ's ambassadors to our kids. Full stop. It doesn't matter whether they smash it out the park in netball. It doesn't matter whether they get grade eight, grade A's and everything. It doesn't matter what primary school or secondary school they go to. What they need is a mum and dad who are representing Jesus Christ, that have been his hands and his feet and his voice into these kids' life. We read about it in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 20. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's talking about us. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. You know, I think for mums and dads, that starts at home. It's Christ making his appeal through us as parents. We are the Lord's hands. We are the Lord's feet. We are the Lord's voice. And that doesn't matter whether your kids are like six days old or 16. They all need somebody to be Jesus to them. They need somebody to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus. You know, I think one of the mistakes we can make as parents sometimes, I know I fall into it different times, is to think that, you know what, these children belong to me, and so I can parent them in any way that I want. Because they're my children. And usually we get very touchy then about anybody making comments at all about anything we might do as parenting. Well, listen, I want to just get rid of any notion right now that your kids are actually your kids. They are definitely the Lord's. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell where therein. Every child that is in your home is actually the Lord's. He's entrusted them to you for a period of time for you to be an ambassador to them. And if there's one thing about ambassadors is all they do is represent the person that they're doing ambassadorial work for. It's not our job to go, well, I want to do something different. You have to do what the person you're representing calls you to do, which is in his word. And it's hard. And so as we start this panel tonight, I want you to know there's no experts. We're all just fellow pilgrims having a go. Um, but we've all learned some things along the way. We've all tried to read as much as we can. And if there's anything we can pass on, mistakes at all, then we'd be, we'd be glad to. You know, it is a high and holy calling that God's put on our heart and what he's brought into our lives. And we only get one chance. And I remember when Josh was like, I remember when I used to carry him in one arm. That isn't possible anymore. And it feels like it was only like three weeks ago where that happened. It goes real quick. I don't want you to waste your opportunity. We want to come alongside you in any way we can and equip you. And so we've got a panel. Emma's here and Riley and Maddie. Let's welcome them to come up. And then Janelle is going to be our host. Janelle can explain how it's going to work. Well, I have lots of questions, but I don't want them all to be my questions. So um, I'm going to give you my mobile number. If you would like my mobile, if you don't have it, text me in your questions and I will try to get through as many questions. Thank you so much to all of you for giving up your time, for being vulnerable, for being willing to be exposed. Um, I think you have my greatest respect for being willing to do this tonight. Um, and so um, please send them in. While, oh, 0404. Oh, good. Great. There it is. Um, please. Nothing's off limits. Um, please feel free to ask anything. And while people are sending in their questions, I thought we'd just get started. Tell us a little bit about your family, who your children are, and what ages they are. So, Riley, why don't you kick off? Hey, guys. Good to see you all again. Had such a great time meeting a bunch of you at, what did we call it? Together. Yeah, I was, I was going to say retreat. Together. And uh, obviously, I know a lot of you anyway. Um, I'm Riley. It's my wife, Maddie. You might not have met her at re- together. Uh, we have four kids. Evie, who's nine. Jasper, who's seven. Judah, who's three. And Zoe, who is one and a bit. Uh, was that the question? That's about it, yeah. yeah. David M. I want to see if Dave knows the answer to this question. <laughs> we have five children. 
Josh, Amy, Lydia, Liam and Savannah. Josh is 20, Amy is 18, Lydia is 16, Liam is 12, and Savannah is 10. Oh, that deserves a round of applause. Well Would you like done. That date of birth, or <laughs> Lydia is nearly sixteen. <laughs> sixteen in my eyes. <laughs> um, what is one of the greatest joys in parenting at the moment? Probably Zoe. I don't know. She's probably our last baby, so I'm just enjoying that. I'm just trying to really enjoy her, enjoy seeing the other kids interact with her. Um, yeah, that's really fun. Um, for me, I actually really enjoy the teenage years. So um, I'm enjoying just the relationship that we have with our older kids and just yeah, the, the different chats we have about things and, yeah. I think that's what I'm enjoying most of the moment. Yeah, I'd say the same. There was different times when our kids were young, and it, uh, the favourite song in our house was How Long, O oh Lord. Um, <laughs> we used to play it a lot. You're like, oh, my goodness, I don't know if we're going to pull through. Um, we used to sing, How Long, O oh Lord? And, and she would look and go, How Long? I don't know how long. Yeah, it was, it was very much like that. But, but that's true. I think as the kids have got older, they've become, the older they've got, they've become friends. We laugh together, um, enjoy stuff together. They want to know what you think about things, not because they have to, but because they actually want to know about things. I want to know what they think about things. It's been a real fun time. I think you were in a coffee shop a while ago and somebody said, oh my word, what are you going to do with all those teenagers? And the premise was, oh, I actually really liking it. And she nearly fell off a chair. Um, but yeah, we've, we've enjoyed it. So far, we still have a few couple of teenagers to go, which I'm a little more nervous about. <laughs> Only if he'd like to. Oh, yeah. I mean, amidst all the craziness and all the hard work, I think our, it's just a joy to be a parent. I love our kids. It's, I love, I, I like just being able to be really silly with them and silliness. You know, I asked their kids, like, what's one thing that you like that mum and dad do? And it was something like singing stupid songs all the time. And, you know, so I, I enjoy just going down to their level because that's my happy, that's about my maturity level. And so with my nine year old, just having fun, um, snuggles and all that. I think some of us could be thinking about all the things that we've done wrong this week, um, more than all the things that we've done right. So I thought just a nice little fun one to get us started. If you think about a recent parenting moment, is there a moment where you think, if I could wind back the clock, I would do that slightly differently? Oh, I always like when someone gets dobbed in. <laughs> no, the shower. Let's keep it G. We're fine. We can also come back to that. I'll ask a slightly different bent, and this is an audience question. Um, what is one of the hardest things that you're experiencing in your parenting at the moment? Yeah. And I think for me, that's definitely an easy one to answer. My hardest thing in parenting is just my own anger that I can definitely um, struggle with at times, particularly towards um, younger, younger children, like, yeah, which was probably what you were alluding to. I definitely had a situation 
um, maybe a couple of weeks ago now, where I was having a discussion with one of the younger ones, and they were kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and eventually I snapped. And yeah, I definitely had to um, repent to them for that, and ask God to f- forgive me for that. And and then I think just trying guard against the condemnation I often feel against about that and just the guilt so yeah definitely yeah in terms of what I would do differently it would be I would go back to that and not react the way I did towards them and yes if I could get on top of my own anger I would be a much happier (laughs) mum that was very helpful because it reminded me of my situation um I it was the morning getting ready for school Three children were talking to me at the same time. A baby was crying. I hadn't made lunches and it was 8.30. I was trying to get something out of the drawer and it was stuck in there. So I literally was like trying to yank this thing out of the drawer and then I just absolutely lost it and I just went, and I like literally was shaking the thing in the drawer and my kids just like stopped. They literally just froze. They were like, what on earth? So for me, it's definitely just, um, yeah, anger. When I get anxious, when I get um, overwhelmed, just lashing out in anger, saying things that I wish I didn't say, using a tone that wasn't necessary. Um, yeah, so that's for me, for sure. I'll change themes because I definitely struggle with anger. But another challenge I have is actually a little bit more subtle, but probably the feeling of like, oh, I'd just rather not be here right now. Um, you know, I, I just... I'll go to work, um, or I've got to leave for a meeting, and I'm kind of glad about that, rather than seeing it as the precious opportunity that it is to be with the kids and to even be doing precious things like reading the Bible with them, praying with them before putting them to bed, singing with them. But there's this part of me which is like, oh, this is tiring. I'd rather just leave a bit earlier, or go, or go to work, or not, or go do something else, go wash up even. Um, and so I think one of the challenges is just wanting to be absent rather than present, because that requires me <laughs> being present rather than just absentmindedly doing something. Yeah, I'd be the same as Riley, funny enough. But I think I can sometimes, I think one of the hardest things that I can find in being a parent um, is sometimes lacking hope for change. So we have particularly one of ours, who's small, though. She will quite happily go toe-to-toe with me and tell me, no one loves you, no one wants you here, you should leave. In my house. And that's hard. That's very difficult and very confrontive. And so you're trying to love them, trying to help, but it is in your face. And so you see the David Emmett you get on a Sunday, but I go home and that's what I face in dealing with one of our children, which is hard. And it can feel relentless, and it can feel exhausting, and it can feel, yeah, it can become very weary. And so I think one of the things, and this is partly out of a a question from the audience, I think as parents we all struggle guilt with guilt. So we struggle with guilt um, because of the feelings that we have towards our children, because of the way we behave. Um, potentially, you know, one of the questions was, how do you deal with guilt if you love one child more than the other? Um, how do you deal with guilt if you, you know, respond in a way that you wish you you never have. I think there are so many scenarios in parenting where we feel guilty. How do you address your heart in that? How do you preach truth to yourself? How do you help yourselves in those situations? And I guess too, practically, you know, if I do love one child more than the other, 
how do I go about allowing God to work in that situation? Yeah, I, I think this is where gospel, gospel-centered parenting hits home. Otherwise you just live feeling guilty all the time. You'll feel you're doing a crappy job. God should never have entrusted them to you. And they would have been better off with anybody else on the planet. Um, and you'll just feel guilty. And then Satan will have an absolute field day with that. But I think that's where we have to remember there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the only perfect parent is God himself. The rest of us are having a go. And by his blood and his grace, he covers the moments that we blow it. Um, I think that's really important. I think where, where we're struggling with maybe loving a kid more than another, I'd be, I'd be very careful with that and take your heart to task on that. I think there's a difference between liking one kid more than another and loving one kid more than another. I think you can like different kids. So particularly, at least one of ours would be quite challenged to enjoy in different ways. But we don't love them any different. I think sometimes our love, we can have this Hollywood idea that, oh, it's just this feeling. It's all a princess feeling. No, love is sacrificial commitment. <laughs> it's, I'm committed to you, and I ain't going anywhere, and whatever happens, I'm with you. That's actually loving. And so I'd be very careful that we don't misunderstand what love is. But it is, it, the reality is sometimes we just do like people more than another. We tend to click with a kid more than another. So we have to be careful. Again, I mean, um, again, go back to where I started today. If we're ambassadors of Christ, praise God that we don't feel from him I just think you're like Nick Gordon better than me. I just think you, know, you don't feel that. We don't feel that from the Lord, do we? You just feel like you you take me where I am. I'm an individual to you. You love me. You're committed to me, and that that's what fills you with that grace. We want to make sure our kids feel that. We should always be able to find evidences of grace in them, even when they're difficult. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In terms of the condemnation thing, it's actually something I, like I said, I have struggled with myself. Um, on and off and definitely this week I've struggled with it and I was just um, actually during my quiet time yesterday morning I actually put on the song um, This the Power of the Cross by Christine Keith and Christine Getty um, and I was actually just struck by the um, words which I can't remember them all now exactly but it's they took the definitely not <laughs> yeah so um, but it talks about took the pain took the shame I might even say took the guilt I don't know and I just think I just feel like God really spoke to me through it and just like Jesus took that guilt Jesus took that shame so why you know was Jesus' death not enough which is basically what I'm saying I think if I feel that condemnation and that guilt I'm saying Jesus' death was not enough for my sin which I did find just gave me that momentary joy of just realizing that but it's definitely something I have to keep coming back to um yeah and with the love thing I think yeah like what you said um and I can definitely struggle at different times with that feeling of love and I felt convicted over that before but the one thing that actually helps me in terms of loving in difficult times is just that verse which says while we were still sinners Christ died for us because there can definitely be um times with different wonders of our kids at different points if if their behavior is particularly challenging I can just feel myself like backing off like I'll just leave a distance try and avoid a little bit where it's like well that's not what you know God did for us Jesus came after us while we were still sinners so if I'm not feeling that tender affection that we might think of as calling love um I just try and focus on but this is when Jesus came after me and I can go after that that child because that's what God did for me and I kind of keep my focus on God rather than the child as such and I find that helpful I think the only thing I would um add is just recognizing your sin towards your child as sin 
and therefore repenting, asking their forgiveness, um, no matter how small they are, if they're a baby, like you can still practice doing that. Like it's good to talk to your kids. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, but you can. Yeah. But um, you can, but also repent to the Lord. You know, I think sometimes we can just go, oh, it was just a mistake. It's like no, repent. If you if you've sinned, repent and find free forgiveness there, rather than just you know, letting it all pile up um, before you do something about it. Um, and another thing that really helps me or has helped really free me from that kind of guilt is um, even just looking at my own childhood and the sins of my parents against me and how the Lord has turned them for good. Um, God's a redeemer and it doesn't it's not a license for us to just sin all the more, but it should just be an evidence of grace for each of us that even our sin the Lord will use for good. Um yeah, because he that's what he does. And I think just on that repentance too, you know, repentance can be so powerful in parenting when you actually repent to your children and talk about forgiveness. It can, you know, we're, we're all sinful and we're going to make mistakes, but using those opportunities um, to actually ask our children for, for forgiveness can be modelling the gospel and, and so pow- powerful. Um for, for each of you, or for some of you, what's been one piece of parenting wisdom or advice that you've received that's stuck with you and you think, I'd just love everybody here tonight to know that piece of advice? Like, it's an easy one for me. Actually, before we even had kids, like, it was when we were living in America, wasn't it? And um, the at the pastor's college, and we were living with a family that had, uh, I think they just had their third while we were there. Um, so very young kids, and before we left, Dave just said to them, what's, okay, one piece of parenting advice you give us, like, we didn't have any children at the time, and they just said, pray for your kids. And we were like, hmm, that's, you know, seems like if you've got one piece of parenting advice, that's what it'd be, but I think, I've just remembered that over the years, and I think, to be honest, the longer I have kids, <laughs> pray for your kids. <laughs> My parenting advice has gone, <laughs> apart from pray for your kids. Um, I was thinking about this today because I thought I literally don't have anything to say. Oh, actually, no, I have one thing. Um, you get these questions ahead of time. <laughs> no, as then I was thinking, I'm on a panel for parenting and I don't have anything to say. What? Come on, brain, think. Think of something. Um, the one thing I will say, and I'll actually, I'll read it out. I have it. It's, um, guys, I came prepared. <laughs> Um, it's from a great little tract um, by J.C. Ryle, so it's ye- a bit yeldy, but bear with me. Um, it's, train up your child with all tenderness, affection, and patience. I do not mean that you are to spoil him, but I do mean that you should let him see that you love him. Love should be the silver thread that runs through all your conduct. Kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, forbearance, patience, sympathy, a willingness to enter into childish troubles, a readiness to take part in childish joys. These are the cords by which a child may be led most easily. Um, so love, love your kids. And I, yeah, that's honestly been the total game changer for me in parenting is just a tender hearted affection for my kids. And it really has changed everything. Yeah. And I've had the joy of watching you grow in that and I've seen the fruit of that. It's been so beautiful. Now the the thing that I, I would say I learned is a little bit of a longer story, but it, it's really uh, I was such a bad parent at the beginning. Even though I thought I was good, um, I was so bad that even all the advice and wisdom David M and uh, the Chavezes were giving, and, and the books you see there, and 
but I thought I got it. I thought they'd got it wrong, and I got it right. And that um, the the kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's my pure arrogance. Um, and I, I kind of thought that the whole way the Christian world, at least the Reformed Christian world, thought about parenting with hierarchy and authority and discipline was just so anti the gospel. It was anti love. And so I, I was determined that love meant I don't know coming alongside, befriending. And the thing that I think what I got wrong, and I think you guys told me this, was that I was trying to parent an 18-year-old, 18-month-old. Um, and so in the sense of I was treating them as I ought to treat them at their fully formed stage of discipleship while they were 18 months old um, and two years old and three years old. And I, I'd actually missed all the building blocks of teaching them that would enable me to have that friendship with them when they're older and releasing them into the world and mature and discipled. And so I was skipping all the stages that would actually form them into the person I wanted them to be. The stages of, of obedience, letting them learn that they ought to obey their mum and dad. And, and it took me a long time to actually become comfortable with being an authority. And I, because I view myself lowly and I was like, oh, I don't want to be an authority figure. You know, Australian's so egalitarian. And I just was like, ah, oh, that's wrong. Even, and I used to be a teacher and I brought that into the classroom. And I eventually was submitted to the scripture that I realized that, well, God's the boss. And it comes back to what Dave said at the start. It's not about me. I'm an ambassador. And once I learned that I'm an ambassador and it's not about me being a parent, it's about me representing God to my children, that changed how I parented because it was no longer about, well, when they disobeyed me, who am I? Who cares if they disobey me? I'm just Riley, you know. So I'll, I'll absorb it and move on. But when they disobeyed me, they're disobeying God. They're disobeying God's commandments. Therefore, they've sinned. Therefore, they're incurring judgment. Therefore, they need the gospel. And if I don't ever go there then I'm never actually leading them into the formation and the good paths that God had for them. Uh, and so the thing that I learned was that actually, lo and behold, the Bible knows uh, what's best for our kids and that the, the, the structure of, of authority and um, obedience and the stages of development that God has intended for our children to go through for their discipleship is actually really good. Now, we're only halfway through. Evie's nine years old, but we saw dramatic fruit change in our kids when we change that tact um, and so my piece of advice would be follow the biblical pattern um, and follow from obedience through to character um, through to then releasing them into you know autonomy and independence in the world but not starting with an 18 year old 18 month old and I think just before we hear from Dave someone's actually asked a specific question around that um, and so you know, if we are Christ's ambassadors in our discipline, how does that look? So the question is, so for the Springs, how does discipline look at the moment with the stages you have as Christ's ambassador? Um, and likewise, then the Taylors, how does that look for you? <laughs> I've got a number I can that's, call. That's actually, <laughs> that's actually Josh doing it to Dave. Um, oh, I mean... It's, yeah, it's specific to each child and family, but I do believe the Bible actually speaks clearly to it. I think that children are the fifth commandment, meant to honor and obey their parents. Uh, Ephesians 6-4, children obey your parents, um, in the Lord. And so, obedience is the standard, and not, there's no real leeway on that. It's, it's just obedience, and, and just like we obey God, we obey mum and dad. 
Um, not because mum and dad are God, but because they stand in the place of God as ambassador. Um, and so it sounds really wrong in Australia to say that. And when I first said it, I was like, that's just so American. You know, you guys love authority and you love uh, discipline and that's you. And I even threw out that book. Oh, you don't have, do you have shepherding a child's heart there? Yeah, yeah I threw it out. I threw it out. That, yeah, yeah. Maddie didn't like it, and I was like, this is not bearing fruit. I'm going to throw it away. So that was really smart. And then I had to borrow it from the PC library when I was in America to read it because I'd thrown it in the bin. So that's that's my story. But, um, yeah, so for us, we learned that actually, okay, let, let's follow God's way. The Bible actually has a lot to say about how to best train up your children in the way that they should go. Um, and... You know, the Bible talks about physical discipline as a means of teaching children. Um, a, a very, it's not the only means, but it's one of the means in the Proverbs. There's verbal instruction, there's encouragement, there's correction through verbal, there is physical correction, and that helps. Um, and so, cutting the long story short, where there's disobedience, there needs to be consequence. Um, and where there's disobedience, we need to let them know that they've sinned. Um, because it's not about me and, and and about what I like. It's about they've sinned against God. And they need to bring them back into fellowship with God by helping them to confess their sin. Um, recognize that the only way of salvation is in Christ. The only hope they have to not sin again is to put their hope in Christ. And so for us, whatever it looks like, whether it's a verbal correction or some kind of physical correction, when we're doing it well, when it's consistent, when it's patient, when it's humble and gentle, it, it looks something like bringing them to a point of, you know, I think you've sinned in this way. Um, let's confess your sin to the Lord. They confess it to the Lord. Um, we thank the Lord for Jesus for sending Jesus. Um, and I assure them that anyone who puts their faith in Christ will be forgiven of their sins. Um, and I do this with three-year-old Judah all the way up. Um, and then we pray. And uh, then I assure them, yeah, if you confess your sins, you will be forgiven. Isn't that great news? And the only hope you have, you know, and we, then we say, it's great news. Christ has delivered us from sin. And then we go out, we reconcile with whoever they've sinned against, because I think that's a biblical pattern as well, to confess your sins to one another. Uh, and we're just constantly doing that process. And what we found is, is that actually when we went really kind of strict on that in the early stages, we did that a lot for a very short amount of time, and then they learned really quickly. <laughs> Instead of learning to count to three, they just learned yes means yes, no means no. And they do it, um, but when we're inconsistent, then their behavior gets crazy. When we get angry, there's no peace in the home. Uh, and so we found that when we are consistent and disciplined, it actually brings a joyful, beautiful home where we can actually enjoy the kids. But when we let the discipline and the rules go lax, then it just gets crazy. Then it gets down to like, oh, now I'm frustrated. Now there's going to be order. And then it's not how God desires. So that's a really long answer I'll end there. <laughs> Yeah, I just think the whole the whole discipline question, it's one of those classic situations where um, we can't say as parents, well, I just don't like disciplining them. Well, that's fine. But they're not your kids, they're the Lord's kids. And he says, we discipline those we love. So if you really love your kids, you do that. If you don't love your kids, if you hate your kids, you want to play a part in their death, the Bible says, then don't discipline them. Mm. So it's not our call. It's understanding, oh, they're children made in the image of God and God's called me to do this and that's how it's going to go well for them so I have to be obedient to that obviously we got older kids so there isn't so much discipline goes on and we're the older ones 
But I think that is because of what Riley said. We don't need to discipline the older ones because we discipline them when they were younger. And so they learn that, yeah, if, if I do what I'm being asked to do, life's going to go well for me. And if I don't do, there's going to be consequences. And we were very much the, uh, don't make me count to one brigade. I don't want a kid responding on three. Or when I have to shout, it's like, why? Well, Dad's actually not to do that. God, God doesn't tell me, hey, uh, thou shalt not steal. One, two, three. It's just, don't steal. Okay, you did steal. Okay, there's a consequence, son. I love you. And uh, that's unacceptable. They just learn that that's going to be the way it... Uh, the way it is. So it's always a bit different for us because we got older ones and then our younger ones are in foster care. So you're very, very limited uh, what you can do. So a lot of our consequences look like either the step or just natural consequences. So early nights and things like that. But we're really quite down the line on it. Because uh, I think it's complaining obedience, our grumbling obedience. It's, he wants cheerful obedience. Uh, and, and so with all things, it's, it's understanding what is the, what does God want for our kids and then holding them to it. Um, yeah. Um, I think, you know, at the moment when we look at the world, it seems to be getting further and further away from a biblical worldview. So how do you help your children? And I guess particularly Dave and Am, your children are there. But, um, you know, how do we help our children, or even when they're younger, navigate different worldviews, um, particularly when they don't align with the truth of Scripture? Something very quickly comes to mind. Um, Evie came home from school one day, they go to public school, and she said, this... Um, this woman read stories today on Storybox Library and she had this really deep voice and this crazy makeup and she loved glitter. And I was like, oh my goodness, it was a drag queen. So I looked it up online. Yes, it was a drag queen reading stories to my children at school. I'm like, fabulous. This is exactly why I sent you to a public school. Um, so I was a bit like, oh, that's interesting. Anyway, I t- talked to Riley about it and Riley was not backwards about coming forwards. He just said, guys... That is a man pretending to be a woman. And our kids were like, oh. I was like, wow, you can't talk. And it, but he's like, no, if, if our schools are exposing our kids to these things at such a young age, we are at full liberty to teach them a Christian perspective. And something that we learned from um, Bianca and um, Wilsey was um, it's not God's best. And that we just have found that such helpful language because it's not condemning, it's not looking down on other people. It's like, they don't know any better. They don't have God's word. You know, they're not following Christ. That's not God's best. Um, it means that it's not this, that's evil. And, you know, we're not condemned. We're not speaking down to others who actually don't know better, you know, and that's the worldview that they live by. So it's giving them almost a compassionate lens to look upon people who are doing things differently and don't be shy about talking to kids about things like that I, I would say yeah I heard somewhere recently about something else but if our children aren't hearing answers from us they're going to go somewhere else for answers and so we want them to be hearing from us yeah, and I think it's um, bringing kids back to what does the Bible say as well, because um, we can all have our thoughts and feelings of what we think should be right or think should be wrong, but really it doesn't really matter what we think. It's what does God actually say in his word, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But like completely, as Maddie said, we want to teach them to be to love the people, uh, particularly un- unbelievers, that we wouldn't expect them to have the same standards and the same um, guidelines as we have. We wouldn't expect them to live by the Bible, but we want our kids to, when they have questions, their first thing, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Not what do I think or what does my you know, school teachers say, particularly if you're in a public school setting. So yeah, just drilling into them, what does the Bible say? 
I think that one, one thought I'd have is, and I love the question, and whoever sent that question, I really respect it. And I think it's, it's understanding you should be asking that question. And we need to understand as mum and dad, you are on. It's your problem. It's not my problem as a pastor. It's not your Sunday school leader's problem. It's your problem. It's you. God has given them you. You are the ambassador in their home. Uh, and, and it's owning that and thinking, okay, I've got to figure this this out. And so I think one of the things we did without... So we partly chose Christian school for that reason. I know it's not for everybody, and that's fine. Uh, but for us, we were like, I want them to hear a biblical worldview all the time rather than getting hammered. And you can pick. You can pick homeschool, Christian school, public school. They're all fine. you just got to pick. You're going to have different problems around all, all three, so you just pick which problem you want. We went for the Christian school problem. Um, but even within that, you, we, I think one of the things we've always done is spent a lot of time, because we disciplined the kids when they were little, there's a lot of chat time as they get older. And it was very relational chat time. So, you know, your kid would be saying to you, oh, uh, my friend at school is thinking about having a sex change. And all I would say is, right, oh, what do you think about that? Oh, I don't know. What, do you, do you think it's okay? Do you think it's, well, I suppose, you know, who am I to say? Well, I don't know. Do you think you are? Somebody to say. What, do, what does everybody else think? It, you feel like you're running a little life group, but that, that's the way we kind of operated. That was most meal times. You know, and you come at everything. It'd be like, oh, yeah, my friend got drunk. Really? Oh, there you go. Do you think that's okay? I think, you know, who am I to say? No, I can't judge. And, but do you think it's wrong? Well, I suppose maybe it's not too wrong. And, you know, and you, you're learning a lot about their worldview and then you're able to speak into it. And we spent a lot, a lot of time and still do probably. It's just exposing the kids to worldview. And then eventually we're like, well, why do, do, here's what God says. So what do we think about that? And it's surprising how many times kids actually go, I didn't know that. Well, that's our responsibility. <laughs> Keep teaching them that. Keep teaching. Yeah, actually, the Bible talks about not getting drunk. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I didn't read that bit. Somehow we've missed it in all of life. But yeah, the Bible's real clear. Why do you think that is? So a ton of why questions to help them unpack. And what do I believe? And why is this not okay? And that's helped us. Further comment on that, just as well, having a good biblical understanding of culture, realizing that, okay, yes, maybe some forms of our culture look less Christian than they were in the past, but just being aware that every culture has parts which affirm God's created order and deny it. Um, and so, you know, the West has things that are, you know, in common grace are good. Um, and so even now with all the things like inclusion and justice, you know, that okay, now they're, sometimes they're worded really wrongly and for the wrong causes, but the heart is good. Uh, and so helping our kids see not just a simplistic view like, you know, that's bad, that's good, or, you know, left is wrong and right is right, or whatever your view, or right is wrong and left is right, whatever your view is, but actually trying to see, well, there's common grace, there's common sin, and let's pick apart this particular thing and see what can we affirm, what ought we to deny, uh, what can we take, uh, and we're going to find those things in everything, every Every re- culture, every religion has things which will actually fall into God's created order by common grace and fall out of it too. And so we just got to be discerning in that rather than fearful, but training. How do parents parent when they have different views on parenting? <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, I... That's, that, I mean, that's hard. 
that's really hard. And I haven't, um, haven't seen too much of that. So I'd rather hear from Dave. But very quickly, my own experience was, by God's grace, it was a quick turnaround when I changed how I thought about parenting biblically. By God's grace, somehow Maddie came alongside and was, even though at first she was against it, then by God's grace she changed it and we talked about it and I made sure she went along to this seminar that Bob Coughlin and um, Brian Chesmore were running when we were in Louisville and and then she was like, oh, yeah, they're right. Oh, we're wrong. And and that was grace and I wouldn't anticipate that everyone would have the same experience Um, but we did try, I did try and set her up for success in it so I didn't come home and be like, we're changing everything. Um, it was more like, look, I think I'm wrong and I do want us to think about doing things differently, but I'm aware that this is going to cause some changes in our life. And I think that that's my memory of it. Um, but yeah, so what would, from your perspective, Dave, of it? I think just functionally, that isn't a parenting problem. That's a marriage problem. You got to, you got to probably as a couple, sit with a pastor or somebody you trust and unpack where are you disagreeing with the Bible or are we just both talking about some fruits, preferences? And then what does the Bible say about how we deal with preferences when we're married? Um, you'd probably start there. And that's a really important one because if you're not together on stuff, the kids will pick that like a dirty nose very quickly and they will play you off very quickly. So I'd be like encouraging you to get onto that very quickly. Um, cause it just gets very messy. And actually it, it gets very, it, it, the, the very problem you're probably dealing with just keeps perpetuating. Because say my, dad's then trying to instruct a kid in something and the mum's going, no, we're not doing that. The kid's going, yeah, we're not doing that. It, they're just learning all the time about masculinity and femininity and what, how mum and dad operate. And it's really important. One of the things I loved about my parents, was there would just be times when clearly they weren't necessarily on the same page. And and I would pick that and I'd say, well, mom, I think this. And she'd say, well, you know what? Your dad said no, and that's who we're listening to because he's the authority in our house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I'll just add to that is, yeah, obviously we want to be bring back to the Bible. And then I think just praying, praying that God would just give you guys wisdom. like and But not just praying that God would change your husband's or your wife's heart and mind, praying that God would change your heart and mind if you are the one that's wrong as well. Yeah, so you can come together. And I would add to that just what Dave, to reiterate what Dave said, and I think we're family so helpful, and I wish we had done it earlier on in our parenting, was just talk to people and say, hey, this is our problem. Can you help us? And I want to test out my, this is what I think parenting is. This is what she thinks it is. What do you think? What does the Bible say? And, and just humble. And I, if we had have done that earlier, we would have had a lot more fruit earlier. And I wish we had of, rather than, you know, there was one point where I actually wrote a paper against what they thought about parenting. So anyway, yeah, rather than asking questions, I had the answers. Uh, and I, I would just encourage you, if that's you, or if you know someone who's going through that, just as much as you can say, oh, let, why don't we talk about it? Why don't you find someone that you trust to talk about it with and anticipate that as you humble yourself, God will give grace to you. Um, and that's what the Bible says. There are more questions, and I apologize to the questions that I haven't got. Um, but I think, so aware of time, there might be people sitting here that just feel the weight of it. It's like, oh, I've stuffed up. 
you know, what hope is there for me and my children? Um, or feeling, I can't do it. It's just too hard. How can you leave us all with hope? <laughs> I think the, the answer to both is Jesus. If you're feeling, I just can't do it, well, that makes you a, a fine candidate for grace. Because you're right. You cannot do it on your own. You can't. It is not going to happen. But you can do all things through him who strengthens you. And where we become aware, how I've been blowing it. Well, how kind of the Lord in his grace to bring us into a community like this where you realize, I think I need to make some changes. And he's given you the gift of time. You know, I think one of the things that can be hard pastorally is when you're sitting with somebody and they're 65 and their kid's 30 and they're wrecking their life. It's it's a harder conversation. And so I feel so guilty that I never did it. Praise God we haven't had to have that conversation with you. You have the gift of time. So if adjustments are needed, welcome to the rest of us. You know, we always need to spend time looking, okay, what am I trying to do? Okay, let's make some changes. And Jesus is the answer. He's the one that gives us grace. And he's the one who gives us strength to move forward. So we always leave, and we should leave, looking up and looking dependent and looking amazed. I think good parenting, it revolves around being amazed by grace ourselves. Amazed that God's even entrusted these kids to our lives. Amazed that we're forgiven when we blow it. And amazed that he's actually with us to keep putting a step forward. I think one of the things I would say as well, so the answer is Jesus. But just while we've got this group together, one of the things I wish we could grow in as a church and what I really want to encourage us in. My observation pastorally, there's not just two things, but three things we find really difficult to talk about. Sex, money, and parenting. I think a lot of people, it's not commonly coming up in growth groups. Hey, this is what me and my wife are walking through with our kid. Any thoughts on what we can do? That ain't coming up a lot. And I think it's because we're like, yeah, but they're mine. You know, it's, it's, it, they're different to everybody else. Rather than just being like, hey, I don't know. I've got a monopoly on everything. You know, the Bible honors counsel. And it doesn't mean we have to do it. But it's like, since when is it just Jesus and me and the blog and I've just got it on? I think we would be wise to be doing more parenting and community. Say, so how did you do that? Or what did you do? Or why did you do that? You might even come away from the conversation and think, I'm still not going to do that. That's fine. But at least you understand why, and that's how we learn. I think it'll help us if we can humble ourselves and just chat more. I think we'll be. Able, I think Jesus will use that to bring about change and help. Can we give these four a big round of applause, please? Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for being honest. Um, I feel very blessed and encouraged, and you know, overwhelmed. So, look, no. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, but thank yeah. you very you much. Can thank I, you. Yeah, can I just advertise those books as well? They're the three books that I would recommend you get. The parenting book by Paul Tripp, I think, is the best parenting book there is because he's not going to give you, oh, yes, this is lovely. Yes, this is like QVC or whatever it is. So that's the parenting book. That book is not going to give you all the things to do, which is what I love about it. It's going to teach you big picture principles about what even is this parenting malarkey. Nearly every question, the details aren't in there, but the big picture of relying on Jesus and grace and what we're trying to do all is. Then the shepherd in a child's heart, which Riley threw in the bin once one time. But it's actually really helpful because it helps us understand um, what are we really going after in a kid. And it's actually their heart, not... If you teach your kid to perform and then they're really strict with it, they'll do it. And then they'll leave you when they're 18 and not like you. You are wasting your time. Shepherd their heart. Win their heart when they're little. That's how... 
that so you move forward. And then age of opportunity is for like teenagers. But I'd probably say any kid over about 10 um, is you're going to really benefit from that. And it just talks about how, okay, the rules start to change, but relationship now grows. And how do you do that? How do you work that into our lives? That's really, really important. Um, so that would be the three books. You can buy them from the bookshop. You can take them. If you haven't got any money, that's that's fine. Just take them and try and put money in through the bank account, blah, blah, blah. I would encourage every parent to have annually one book on parenting a go. You know, and I can't think why we wouldn't, if it's so important. I mean, if it, this is such an important thing, to once a year be thinking, I'm going to read a book on parenting and try and sharpen my skills for the glory of the Lord. I think that's a good exercise for everybody. And So, yeah, get them and God bless you. So I pray? Lord, I do thank you for tonight. Lord, you're so kind to us that you don't leave us alone as pilgrims just trying to figure out what to do. Lord, for everything that has been shared tonight from this panel, um, we ain't no experts. We've learned from mistakes. We've learned from others. Uh, we are, we're walking quotes from other people, having learned things from other people that we're now passing on. And Lord, I pray that as a body and as a family, um, that we would just increasingly walk together and that we would parent in community, trying to figure this out. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here and each and every kid that's represented in our church. Lord, would you bless them, equip them. Lord, where forgiveness is needed and would they feel forgiven by you? Would they run to you on their knees where grace is needed for motivation to move forward? Would they receive that? Knowing that we can't change a kid, but you can. You are the one who revolves in people's hearts. So Lord, would this cause us to turn our eyes to you all the more? In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, grab a book if you want one. And if not, we'll see you Sunday.